Let's make planning this year's garden a lot easier with the Planter app. This app is packed full of features. It has companion and combative planting, which are indicated by green and red circles. It has a simple drag and drop interface. It has 80 plus plants and thousands of varieties. All the info is needed to grow veggies, including when to start seeds, transplant and harvest, the ability to create custom plants and varieties, a growing guide with in-depth articles to supplement the quick info in the app, not to mention that you can view it and use it both on your PC and on your mobile device, so you can always be planning your garden on the go. This app is used in my garden year-round to plan the upcoming seasons, reference the last year's seasons so I know when to rotate, and it also helps me to learn more about companion planning using the visual cues. When you create your garden, it's going to be based on the dimensions and each block is going to be a square foot. I've had a lot of fun using this app and the Planter app, which is spelled P-L-A-N-T-E-R, is available in your app store on both Google and Apple. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and plan your garden and use the link below to get a discount on the Planter app. Come on. All you got to do is just dig a hole and stick a seed in it. It'll grow and it'll be bountiful and you'll have a food forest, right? I'm here to tell you garden really ain't all that easy right here on the Backyard Gardens podcast. To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. All right, Batavia, it's, this is the, the moment. We're coming to the pulpit right now, and I'm going to confess my sin. You ready? Mm-hmm. Always. Back in the day, early on in this show, I think both of us are guilty of saying, just dig a hole and stick a seed in it and it'll grow. It's really that easy. But as we get into this episode or into this world of Backyard Gardens podcast and almost 300 episodes later, I know, shocking, right? That (laughs) we can actually, I've come to the conclusion and I think you have as well, as the more we talk about it, we realize it's really not all that easy, is it? No. And I believe that this is, I don't do this often, but maybe I do. <laughs> this I is a great way not, to start. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I don't want to own this idea of we've been, you know, guilty of saying this. I kind of feel like I've been on the, eh, no, yeah. no, I don't think it's that easy. Well, maybe it was so, me. I don't know if that's true, but I feel like that's the, the hill I'm going to die on so here. So I'm going to go in defense mode for a second. <laughs> Another great way to start a show. Um, <laughs> It probably was not you as much. Now, I will say it can be that easy at first, but it's Mm -hmm. everything that comes afterwards, you know, identifying certain things and timings and all that stuff and then the ups and downs and whatnot. So um, this is going to be what I imagine. Now, this could very well change throughout the episode. So just hold on to your britches. This is going to be about like just that process. You know what I mean? So it's a good it's a good way to kind of capture the moment because I can't go back to 2008 and say, did I think it was like I'm going to put myself back there and it, it was easy or not. But I feel like, you know, if I go back in the Wayback Machine, I don't feel like I thought gardening could be hard 
until recent years. And there's a direct correlation with how I've changed as the gardener, how my garden's yeah. changed. I think it's connected to it. I feel like not easy as in I was like, you know, sitting in the backyard on a, a crate, eating a bunch of cucumbers, you know, the next day after I planted the plant. No, not that. But it never occurred to me as this is a hard thing to do. You know? Yeah, I mean, for me, like, well, you know what? Let's talk about our first gardens. How's that? Let's just dive right into it. I remember in my first garden, it was pretty easy. There wasn't a whole lot of issues, but also I wasn't emotionally attached to my garden. And so if I had an issue, it wasn't a big deal. You know what I mean? Come on, somebody. So what I may not have said in my preamble was (laughs) like, how many things died and I just kept yeah. on moving. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't doing an analysis on it. I was, you know, let the, the thing sit there dead or pulled it and was like, eh, you know, I'm buying the cucumber from the store anyway, you know? Um, yeah, I, I can't say for certain, but I feel like that was the vibe then. Yeah. You know, it was just a thing that I did, you know, and who knows? Remember, I keep on going back to sometimes my garden didn't go in until June or July. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and um, some things may grow and then they may not. That was still back in the time where I was just like, no, it's OK that the ogre pods are three or four inches long. That's perfectly fine. Then realizing they tasted like wood. And again, I shrugged and kept on moving. It wasn't like it wasn't like I came on to a podcast and talked about right. it. It wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, it wasn't. You just did it on your own and it was what it was and things happen and Look, I know there's somebody out there right now listening and you're in this phase right now, but just work with us here. Just hang in there because we're going to go through the phases of the garden for us, at least, and how these things started to change. Um, You know, I always tried to do some kind of spring planting, but never really a fall planting of anything. I just kind of let things die out or whatever. Um, and like I said, I wasn't emotionally attached, so it wasn't a big deal. There was, you know, if I failed, it was like, yeah, well, I failed. There was nobody watching me. I didn't tell anybody about it. Now I did work Mm -hmm. at a job at the time I was working for the government and there was about five other people in there that were gardeners. Um, and we, we were all new gardeners at the same time, except for one guy, um, he was this old bastard and he would come in there and I mean, dude, he would come in there and we would all be struggling with our squash plants. Cause you know, we had, we had to deal with a squash vine bore and he would walk in with his shirt filled up with squash every day and just drop them on the counter. Cause he's like, I can't eat this stuff. Um, so, you know, he obviously had something that he knew about, but otherwise we were all trying to learn together and. We were reading stuff and I was always the one of the group that kind of would like bring the information forward. And then we would all just decide like, screw it, we're not going to work with it anymore. You know what I mean? So there was never like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a big deal. But as the years progressed, the gardens grew and then came complications. Yeah, the... um there are layers to that. So I would probably do like maybe one post a year. So after I started gardening, you know, shortly thereafter, Facebook was a thing, right? And so I'd probably do one post a summer, you know, sharing something that I pulled out of my garden, like, you know, the arm length long zucchini. I didn't even know any better then to know that that's not the, 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 the tastiest, yeah. you know, like, and that was it. 
right? It wasn't even anything that I was like kind of, you know, um, parading around, you know, um, not to say that I wasn't proud of what I was doing then, but again, it's just one of the things of many that I, I posted and shared, definitely not with the concentration that I have now, clearly. Um, and I'm trying to figure out like, maybe I saw some other people like with some things online. I don't, I mean, the community was pretty small for me at yeah. that point. Um, I probably got the most feedback from like family, you know, have I ever told you the first time that collard greens were ever planted it in this moment? I just, I had a therapy session with one of my colleagues like an hour ago. So I'm still in that mode. The first collard greens that were ever planted in my garden were planted by my grandfather. Nice. It never occurred to me until this moment that that may be a part of the connection and my affinity for them. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. there. Mm-hmm. So it's funny. I just um, we had planned this episode a, a while back and just kind of kept it in the wings. But I have a video that's either coming out or have come out one of the two where I was talking about why I'm not expanding my garden and like hammering in these issues. And the part of like my garden growing exponentially is mm-hmm. why? Because it, it brought on other issues as I got more diverse with my plantings and my my varieties and all that stuff, different things have happened. And then over the years, getting more and more into um, what I would like to call year-round gardening, which is really like 10-month gardening, um, <laughs> that has brought on issues as well. And it, it brings on a set of complications. So like with you, for instance, like, do you remember when things started getting kind of complicated for you? And if you say this year, I'm going to throw up in my shoe. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm claiming all of the goodness and all of the ease for yeah. this year. Um, I don't know if I could place the year. I, I think it definitely was associated with, with expansion because I was trying, you know, things that I hadn't done before. So the years that I garden just along the fence line, kind of in ground, no beds or anything, I don't remember ever pointing to, oh, shoot, there's a problem, right? right? I think problems probably started to present themselves, like things became a little bit more difficult when I moved to like the raised beds on my concrete patio. I don't think because it's the raised beds on my concrete patio, but it was done based on my desire to grow different things. So now I'm introducing a plant that I hadn't grown, you know, shoot, the mistake of planting mint in a raised bed (laughs) and not realizing, you know, the impact of the way that mint is like a wild thing. Um, So I can't point my finger to a particular issue or a particular um, year where it became problematic. But I definitely think as I transition away from where I've been gardening for many, many years to gardening in a different place, um, is when things is like, oh, let me try something different because this thing isn't working yeah. right now. You know, it's breaking Those down. Those conditions were, they are wholly different, and you should expect there to be some different impact on what you're growing, right? The in ground spaces I grew in, the earth. How far does it go down, Young Ben? You always say this. How much? The the uh, the mantle, or not the mantle, the crust, three miles. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, it's plenty of space plenty. versus the ten inches that I have on my concrete. Yeah, plenty of space. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daikon radishes, here we come, baby. <laughs> yeah, for me, it was... Um, I'm trying to think. 
so I was I was gardening in zone six, and then I moved to zone eight, and I had one garden bed, and then the year that I went from one to four garden beds, I started to see that there was a real challenge occurring. Um, and then the next year when I add, cause so, <clears throat> and I've said this a thousand times, but I'll say it again in case there's somebody new, we had a really bad hurricane, knocked out a bunch of trees. So I created the wild garden. And then that was the year in which I saw exactly the power of mother nature and what can happen. And we had, the plants were doing great, but the weeds were doing even better. You know, we'd have tomatoes that were four feet high and weeds that were three feet, eight inches high. And we just, you couldn't stay on top of it. And that was really an eye opener for me. So that was like, it took me a while to get to the point to where I was like, oh, it, it, this really isn't as easy as I thought, you know? And it's like I said in that video too, it was like, whenever you start a new garden bed, issues will arise at some point for whatever reason you could have a pest you could have a disease you could have weeds you could have you know too much to handle whatever and so as those issues arise and you see them you you need got to stay on top of them so that was the weeds that came that year were just unprecedented i had, i had no clue that something like that was possible to just come that fast and that hard and that long. And you just, there was nothing you could do about it whatsoever. (laughs) We would go out there and we would spend hours weeding it. And then you come back a week later and they're just right back. And then we do it, you know, but then you have to wait for them. So then they come back and we do it again and again and again, and kind of led us to the situation we're in now. But that was the beginning. And then like, once I started really doing like more intensive planting then I started realizing that there's soil issues to contend with that are like a real issue. And that's the stuff that like you can't see it. And that's s- super freaky to me. Same with like diseases too. I, I'm i trying to think, you know, I'm thinking about the issues. And when you asked like, when did you start to have problems in your garden? So now my mind is trying to plot like different types of problems and when uh, I experienced those. And, you know, I, the saying of, you know, you know, you basically let the garden run wild now comes from my grandmother. She probably didn't create it or maybe she, she did. did. We'll give it to her. Um, yeah. And so there definitely was a point probably around August, I guess, that, you know, the weeds were just taken over and I was welcoming letting it run wild, you know. So um, I've never looked at weeds as like, oh, yeah, I have to show you a picture of pre-planting my garden. It was July, like very beginning of like end of June, very beginning of July. And the weeds that were growing up in the cracks of my concrete patio. Yeah, like the raised bed that I had there was like, full of weeds so i'll think about all of spring and the beginning of summer all of the rain and like it had just it was terrible the five foot fence between my neighbor and i like the weeds that were along the fence where i would grow on were higher than the fence like it was a mess and so it took me days to clear that Uh space which was very satisfying after i did it you know so i say that that definitely occurred but throughout the season I, i didn't really care that much about weeds and they didn't present that big of a problem i wasn't doing anything to suppress them at all But I look back and say, at what point did I start to experience what I understood to be disease? Yeah. 
You know, I don't know the answer, but I, I pause to think about that because I feel like, you know, when it comes to problems that gardeners have, I'm working through the gumbo of them now. But back then, I mean, it was like one issue you had with your garden, you know, <laughs> versus the yeah. many. And maybe, maybe again, I'm just with what's more current, what I can actually look back on a video or a camera or whatever have you, maybe I'm more focused on that, on suppressing those right. memories from way back then, you know. You know, it's funny you say that because it was actually earlier than that when my first bout with powdery mildew, that was when, mm. um, and that was years, like maybe my second year of gardening. I remember I had a pretty bad battle with it. And I remember reading about it and basically learning that there's almost nothing you can do for it. So I do remember that being an issue because I remember I would get up for work and every morning I would get up for work. I'd walk around the garden. I'd water if I had to. And then I would treat it with what I would consider treating, which was like cow's milk and something else mixed in water. And then apparently the proteins would attack the powdery mildew when the sun hit it. So that was kind okay. of like my method that I would do. And so I was doing this on a and it smelled putrid in the middle of summer it was horrible but it was one of those things where like you realize like there's nothing i can do about this you know and so then you fast forward to the weeds and stuff like that but even then like now as an experienced gardener um you, these things still crop up and it's shocking when you see it you mm -hmm. know when your tomatoes wilt or your you know your cucumbers don't produce and you're like, what the hell's going on? And you like try to figure it out. You look it up, you research it, you ask people and it's like, there's no rhyme or reason for it. And so it's like, you just kind of have to take a stab at the dark and be like, well, I got fusarium wilt or, to, you know, <laughs> cucumber mosaic virus or something crazy, you know? Um, I, um, I, I think that I probably have pictures somewhere on the internet um, with, plants that are next to me or behind me that are like peppered and powdery mildew yeah. and I just didn't even know any better. Yeah, I was like, look at my garden. Look at how pretty <laughs> they beautiful? are. Everything's turning Ooh. white. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's and so then it's like, you know, and then you get a pest. And luckily mm -hmm. pests are not as difficult to treat. I mean, you can find a remedy for most pests. You know what I mean? It's the diligence. Yeah. And, and then you start. So when do these things come up, then it becomes a battle of like wit and what I like to call intestinal fortitude, where you're just like, I'm going to keep <laughs> going and I'm going to keep attacking mm. it. and I'm going to stay on top of it. And you're checking it every day and you're like, oh, is there any more damage? Oh, no, there's more. The Japanese beetles are back, boy. You know, and you're just constantly trying to, to treat it and handle it. And it, it gets... It's a daunting task at times, I would say. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm trying to balance because we're more experienced and because we have seen many more issues in our gardens. Like, are, I, are you looking for trouble? Yeah. You know? So, like, did you, again, Ten years ago, did you kind of shrug at some issue and, and kept it moving versus now it's like you got your inspector gadget hat on and, you know, like, are we complicating our experience more because we're experienced? No, I'm going to I'm going to go on okay. a limb and say, no, I think you're more vigilant because you know what mm -hmm. can happen. And 
you and I and a lot of our audience knows that you got to get on these things early and you got to yeah. find them. And I mean, we're coming up into the season. It was like the other day I was out in the greenhouse and um, I was sitting in the greenhouse, as a matter of fact, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to get some mustard. So I harvested mm. some mustard. And I'm like, and it was covered in aphids. I mean, you know, just the underside of the leaves. I mean, it looked like it was a straight aphid orgy going on in there. So I was thinking about it and I was like, well, and it's kind of, it was funny that we're going to talk about this because I looked at it and my initial reaction was like, oh my God, this is so bad. Like I've never seen aphids this bad. Mm -hmm. And so I took my thumb and I killed every single one of them. I mean, it was, it was genocide. It was crazy. Um, and then I came back like a week later and there's still no aphids. Now that's my experience that's kicked in that knows like, Hey, you just got to kill them and then you have to keep an eye on them, but you know how to handle aphids. And I mean, you know that I, I don't really worry over aphids that bad because I can, and I've learned how to handle them. Mm-hmm. But when you see them, it's shocking in the amount of numbers that they can be on a plant. It's like it's unreal yeah. how many you can get. But when you first see it that first time, it's so daunting. And then you go down the rabbit hole of like trying to learn about it. And then you figure out like, hey, I can't just treat it once. I got to treat it during its life cycle. So I get mm-hmm. the eggs and then you come back and, you know, you're learning all of this at the same time. When not to mention, you've got this other plant over here with the squash vine borer in it. You've got this other one with powdery mildew. And so you, there comes a point where you're trying to manage all of this stuff at once and it becomes overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um, I still, I hate aphids with everything I have. Even, I just, I just hate it. And um, I have been thinking about adopting the whole, once they come, I'm pulling the plant like I'm done. Really? Yeah. Like, like that's my method of treatment. Um, so as a quick update, uh, we are one month in of growing, starting some brassicas from seed. Mm-hmm. And some look really, really good. Um, by the time this airs, we will know if this gal here was successful, right? By the time this airs, we'll be close to trying to figure out what the weather is going to be like outside. Um, but I bring that up and I'm kind of like, you know, the Tuscan kale looks the best so far, which is like I'm chasing your pictures of your Tuscan kale from last <laughs> month. And I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to be flexible here, man. If this is a thing that it feels like I can start from seed, I'm going to get it out there. But I know like the aphids love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels like all kinds of kale plants, but I'm just like, you know, just grow more of it and then be done with the plant when you're done with the plant. I mean, I think that the way that you manage things like pests sometimes shifts year over year, depending on how important that crop yeah. is. And I bet your experience with aphids is different now than it was in the fall and maybe different than it was in the spring, excuse me, in the summer. Um, I think that obviously some pests have a, a time frame that they run in. And, you know, those same plants, when you grow them in a different time frame, like I thought once the weather is cooler, you have less pest pressure as a general statement. Um, and so I am kind of surprised to hear that, you know, you have aphids now, but I'm wondering if those are just really older plants. In the greenhouse. In the greenhouse. Oh, there it is. Yeah. 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 
in the greenhouse. Yeah, a lot more humid. You know, there's a lot warmer. Yeah, it's a lot there. warmer in there. Okay. So yeah, the, and and the thing is too is everything's densely packed in there. So as we go through, you know, you, I have to think to myself like this aphid can easily jump to another plant. And so then it's like, all right, I got to stay on top of that, you know, and actually I'm not even going to say it out loud about the pests and my experience with them this year, but you can put two and two together. I will not put it out into the world because I am not going to jinx myself. And there, that is the end of that story. Thank you. Um, But no, and I think too, it was like, you know, if we go back a little bit, we talk about like the passion and the emotion involved in the garden, you know, when you started, you're like, Hey, great. I'm starting a garden. But then as mm-hmm. you get more into it and you start learning more, and I think once you get involved more with your food, because gardening is, if you look at it, like f- everybody eats. So having mm-hmm. your garden is a very intimate process into your lifestyle and your family and your nutrition and well-being. And I think once you start learning that, And you get out of like, hey, I'm going to have a fresh salad or, you know, you start really getting into like the preserving and then all the recipes that you're going to do with all of your extras. Because I feel like a lot of people start a garden and at least a lot of people I know and they and they just grow in the way they eat more and more and more because there's so much that can come out of, you know, come off of one tomato plant. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, so you've got mm-hmm. to find all these different ways. Now, like my stepdad, uh, he'll eat the hell out of a tomato sandwich every day until the day he dies. Go ahead. Good for him. He's my kind of guy. Yeah. No, I was just, I was, as you you were speaking, I was thinking about the continued connection to, you know, social media and the internet and... If I go back again to 2008, the one picture or two pictures I'd share or posts I'd make on Facebook. And while I know that there are a bunch of gardeners that have like longstanding YouTube channels, for uh, example, and have been out there sharing their garden experience going back then. And and I don't know if if Instagram even existed then, Um, but I think our perception of hard um, absolutely is influenced by kind of what we're seeing in everyone else's gardens. And I was pulling up a comment. I shared a video last summer. It was titled my garden mistake plus my garden journey. Um, Cause I always want to tell that story. So the person writes, I really appreciate you sharing your wins in all capital letters and your losses. It's so helpful to, to me, uh, to someone like me who has grown herbs for a long time, but I'm pretty new to vegetables. And so the person goes on to talk about, you know, some of the battles they have and phrased it as a lot of battles, but they're encouraged to continue to, you know, guard based on videos like me. So this isn't really about me, but it's this idea of we oftentimes see the pretty. We've talked about this over and over and it, it's still relevant, right? We oftentimes see the pretty. It's not like, you know, when your kids take a picture at school, you're not sending to family and friends the one where, you know, their eyes are yeah. closed. Like you're going to share the thing that, you know, you feel like best represents them. And that's the same thing with our garden. And whether or not we're looking, you and I are looking at our garden saying that, oh, this is a problem is one thing or I'm going through some difficulty or this is hard is one thing versus what we share and kind of the when we look at other people's gardens and think, well, how is it that they have, you know, 
80 eggplant how in the world could they pull this off you know i get the question of how can i grow you know large collard green leaves and i'm like shoot i still don't know how i do it you know like, yeah you just do it you know I, yeah 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 and so but but then when someone doesn't grow you know leaves that are the size of your head it's like well this is hard because my leaves are only the size of your hand you know um which I'm going to eat them all, you know? <laughs> yeah. So there is that. I You're just, making I, I me uncomfortable. I'm, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, perception versus reality is where I'm trying to, to get to. Well, and I didn't anticipate this going in this direction, but I'm going to say it. That's why social media is so damn toxic. And I've seen some people's stuff. And it'll look completely amazing. And I, I'm literally sitting there, I'm like, turn the camera around. Let's see what's behind you. Like, <laughs> it ain't all good. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's hardly yeah. a garden out there that just doesn't have an issue. And that's why on this show and on both of our YouTube channels, um, Sandy Bottom Homestead and Be Better Gardens, um, we try to... Sh- <laughs> <laughs> We really try to highlight the issues as they arise, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it can't all be good because one thing that we know is when you look at Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you know, you name whatever platform, you're seeing a curated process. You're yeah. seeing exactly what people want you to see. And that's fine. But the problem I have with it is as you are learning, and let's face it, as a garden, you know, a, a company that is focused on gardening, you and I both know that you are always learning how to garden all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is nothing yeah. that you have figured out just 100% you're good no matter what. You don't ever worry about it. It's just good, you know, and we're always learning. And so it's in our nature to look at these things and say, like, hey, I don't have that. Why are my collard greens not so big? And I mean, look, the answer is simple. There's two, three reasons. One, you have a different variety. Two, you're not feeding it enough. Or three, I don't know, pick one. I mean, it could be watering sun. There's so many different reasons why you couldn't have these large leaves. You know what I mean? So, and you know what I, so you started with, there are only three reasons and then you're like, there could be yeah. any number of reasons. Right? <laughs> my mind goes faster. My mouth got, goes faster than my mind sometimes. Yeah. The list got longer in your head. You're like, I need to put a cap on this. <laughs> um, and, and then there's also a small part of me that, you know, I can be critical and say like, but why do you need them to be? You know, like, are you looking to say that you believe that these will be more more nutritious, that you just you want them to be larger because and again, there's a little bit of devil's advocate because you clearly are getting more of the vegetable like that makes sense, of course. Um, But I guess what I'm trying to make sure that, you know, we talk about is because they're smaller and I'm assuming like, how can I get them to be that big? Kind of what's implied there is you've grown them and they've not been that big. That could be a wrong assumption, but let's say that that's the case. And you're looking and saying mine are supposed to be let large. What am I doing wrong? What should I be doing differently? And I think too, it's, I mean, you hit the nail on the head is what am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. we always want to emulate what somebody else is doing when they are 
super successful. I mean, let's face it. You're super successful at growing collards. Mm-hmm. Yes, she is. You know? mm-hmm. Now, look, the she is I grow me. the hell out of collards. My leaves aren't mm-hmm. that big, and I am happy with what I get. Because once I cut them up, it don't matter how big them leaves were. And I mean, yeah. that's it, it's like I told my wife the other day. It all goes down the same place and comes out the same way. <clears throat> It's gross, but it's true. Definitely didn't think it was going there. So there are only um, kind of two families that have eaten collars from my garden now that I think about it. A really good girlfriend of mine and then my own personal family, right? And so it makes me wonder, um, obviously, when you cook them, you know, it's going to taste, every pot of greens is going to taste different. Like when you prepare them, it's going to be some slight difference based on whatever the cook is doing. Um, But... Like your greens may taste the way that you want. I always say things and I try to weave it in every video because there are people that are experienced with growing collards and they feel like they get tougher. They're not as tasty once they get that large. So I don't even know if the goal should be to grow them that large. And to your point, variety is absolutely king when it comes to that, too. Um, You don't you could have a variety that isn't designed to get that large where I'm growing a variety that is perhaps. Um which it isn't something I set out to do. In fact, I probably stumbled upon it, you know, at least one year. Um, but it kind of goes back to like, if you enjoy zucchini or some type of summer squash more when it's younger, but you're looking and saying, you know, but how do I get the, to, it to be that big? You're missing out on the thing that you could be enjoying because you're chasing something that you don't even know how that thing tastes. My point with the whole two families, you don't even know how these greens taste. You know, now I'm not on their line. They damn good. You know. Yeah. Well, look, and I mean, truth be told, like if you cook me a pot of collard greens, I probably wouldn't like your collard greens. I know that that's hearsay, but I don't like that style of collard greens. You know what I mean? Not meaning like if you gave me your collard greens from your garden, I wouldn't like them. But I don't like the, you know, the pot liquor and all that stuff in my collard greens. Does that make sense? I know you're highly offended right now, and I'm very sorry. My heart really does bleed. I kind of regret saying it out loud, but there it is. I am offended. (laughs) And I'm not one of those folks like, you're going to love what I cook, right? You know, but clearly I am about collards. I'm offended. That was Um, a low blow. I'm sorry. I wish you wouldn't have said it. And I definitely wish you wouldn't have said it in public because now I'm going to be expected to look at you differently. Right. Like I can't fake this going forward. Like this has changed our relationship. No, that's exactly it. Like, and I basically cook them like one way. I I consume my collars almost one way. So, um, and it's a benefit for me if they get larger because it's kind of sort of less work. But anyway, uh, that's an example of, I'm trying to change the subject off of collard greens before I get emotional because <laughs> I'm still replaying the words that you You're said. working up there. Um, yeah. So if I um, look at this and say, is it hard or not? If that person that sent me the message, actually, there's, there's a new message about collard greens. This is again, that's, you know, that's my jam. And it's like, my question is how to grow large greens and how to fertilize them in the winter. Yeah, you, know, you have a great garden. Appreciate the compliment. Nitrogen. And I'm just like, well, one, I'm like, the winter? <laughs> like, where are you? Because you know, <laughs> I ain't doing nothing in the winter, clearly. Um, and yeah, but I could answer nitrogen. This is always so hard for me. It, to give advice on how to make maybe something not hard for you, you know, again, I'm, the idea you're asking for help, right? 
but I'm going to give you advice on a thing that I barely do. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, so on one hand, it's like, it doesn't mean that you can mimic what I barely do and still have success. You know, that's that weird piece that I feel. And that's the reason why I'm just still uber cautious. But a part of what we do, though, is to share, is to elicit questions, you know, is to help, yeah. you know. So it's like a double edged sword for me. Um, well, and maybe I'm misinterpreting, you know, it'd be nice to hear from some folks that are listening. Maybe I'm misinterpreting kind of the concept of someone's asking a question, like asking you kind of what you do or what would you recommend? And they're doing it because they're trying to solve something. You know, maybe that's not the, the spirit they ask the question. In. Yeah. And I, I think this becomes a, a personal issue where it's like, stop comparing yourself all the time to other things. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, if you go back to the bigger is better thing, let's talk about your zucchini for a second. Let's get off collars. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Um, <laughs> you know, you, how many times have you seen a picture posted of a huge, beautiful zucchini? I mean, just stunningly. But mm-hmm. your experience You'd know that once you cut that zucchini open, ain't nothing but seeds in it because it's it's gone past. And so what's happened in the process is not only have you let this zucchini go too far, so it's going to be excessively seedy. Um, you've also told the plant itself like, hey, I'm reproducing right now. I'm done. I don't need to make any more because I have fulfilled my duty to the world and you know, reproduced. So it's not going to produce as much. So like cucumbers, for instance, cucumbers are famous for that. Once you let one go, the whole plant's done. So you cannot let one go. I want to say that again. You cannot let one go because once you do, it's done and it will (laughs) die off on you. So I don't know. I don't know that to be fact, but if I look back on some of my recent years of zucchinis, it kind of, it fits, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) So it's like, when you compare yourself to other people and stuff like that, it's like you don't really know the whole story sometimes, but kind of getting back to where we started, once you grow your zucchini for a couple of years, you'll start harvesting it at different times and you'll know like, hey, I like it when mm-hmm. it's smaller. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. it when it's big. I mean, you might be weird and like your okra when it's super woody and it's like chewing on a stick. I mean... You'll find that out over it's time. Like tobacco or something without yeah. the buzz of tobacco. I don't know. <laughs> beef jerky without the taste of beef. It's like it's like a vegan beef jerky. Yeah. Did we just create a product? No, you didn't. And it gives you terrible gas. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a buddy of mine. Was, I'm not going to tell the idea because I may go with it. And he's like, do you think people are going to pay you for that? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> vegan. Uh, okra jerky. Come there you on. Go. Oh, oh, watch, watch. I, I promise you, someone's listening and someone's going to take this idea and run with it. I just want to be on the commercial when they're, you're advertising. You're it. selling it. yourself short. You can you can have the idea. I don't know if I'd eat that personally, but that's just me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I've had, I've, I've tried multiple times because I've just not been able to throw it out. You, you take that first couple of bites and. I went backpacking one forever. year and I took some um, okra. <laughs> That I found, I, I don't know the way it was prepared. It's like pre-packaged, like fried okra, kind of. You didn't have to cook it or anything. It's kind of like a um, banana, like bananas that you get, like banana chips, but it's like okra chips. 
And I was excited. I was like, yeah, boy, I'm going to have me some some vegetables out here. Never really had a whole lot of vegetables out there. Man, I was so tired of eating that crap after like two days. You couldn't pay me. I didn't even grow. I came home and ripped all my okra plants up. I was over it. So um, I did two for okra. And so this is a, a surefire way. So it won't be hard. It won't be hard to garden with okra. Use it as a teething source for babies. I'm trying to tell you, man. How much time do we have? I think I have like four or five more ideas. That's probably like a choking hazard or something. So maybe not that. Let's, you probably need to feel a test. Yeah, that. you might want to <laughs> hold off on that. But so, I mean, you know, as you grow and you get deeper into it, you start learning more about it. And there. Well, let me ask you, do you think there's aspects that actually get easier in time with your garden? Hmm. Patience. Yeah, no, philosophical answer. No, but that's okay, I, you know, man, that's mm-hmm. such a good answer. I don't care mm-hmm. if it's a Sunday school answer or not. That is the right answer. Patience is something that is key to all of this. Um, <clears throat> I think. I mean, it's like I put my kale plants out a couple of days ago, and I'm like, all right, are they growing? Are they growing? All right, are they settled? Do I have new leaves yet? And it's like, dude, just back off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Come back in a week. I'll let your boy in a week. So um, anything else that's really gotten easier? Hmm. You know, I think centered around this episode, I think the the confidence in dealing with problems. Yeah, that was mine. You know, um, the approach. Well, why don't you elaborate on it? Yeah. Well, you know, it's like over the years you handled different different issues and you you start to get like for me and aphids like i i've kind of gotten a hang of aphids i don't know how to prevent them but i know Mm -hmm. how to handle them you know Mm -hmm. japanese beetles is another one like i remember the first year i got japanese beetles man it looked like confetti out there on my green bean trellis it was bad and i didn't know what to do so they just i just let them go but now i know diligent hand picking really does help with the mm-hmm. levels of Japanese beetles and you can get on top of it, but you've got to be diligent to do it, you know? So those are just some quick examples. And I mean, also like growing certain plants, like you know what to expect mm-hmm. from them, like different tomatoes, you know what I mean? Like indeterminate mm-hmm. versus determinant, stuff like that. Yeah. I think um, when you, when I look at, you know, um, the confidence, it's, I'm confident that I'll be able to figure this out. And if I don't, it's not the worst. Yes. You know, like I think I had, I haven't had like a complete crop failure, you know, like I, I have, you know, a beds, plural of a thing and it completely fails. I had a bad tomato year, but I still made a bunch of salsa, you know, um, so it wasn't a complete crop failure. And so I'm, you know, that's, it's probably in every gardener's future. Let's just be realistic. You start adding these years up when you're doing it, it's going to happen. I'm not talking about a single plant dying again, complete, you know, um, crop failure or a complete garden failure. I've seen some things, especially with weather, when it comes to some of these storms, like more rain than anyone could ever, you know, imagine like completely washing out people's gardens. So I've, I've seen some tragic stories on online, on the internet, on the line. Um, and that's not been my experience. So I'm just generally talking about <laughs> on the line. Generally, yeah. 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 <laughs> You're going to give me the giggles. Um, I'm, I'm talking about like, there's no like fire, fire. There's no panic. Um, when I'm, 
introduced to a problem in the garden. So I think that that just comes with experience. My experience is that confidence has come with experience. And generally, I'm a problem solver, I'm a troubleshooter. Yeah. So um, it doesn't mean I'm not pissy when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not frustrated. It doesn't mean that repeated problems, you know, year over year, you know, I, I don't want to strangle a plant. And of course I do sometimes. You hear me? I'm pulling kale plants after the first harvest. Forget cutting, come again. I'm, I'm running away from the I'm done. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I had a lady come over the other day to buy some seedlings from me. And um, when we were messaging back and forth, she was like, you know, this is my first garden. I'm just really looking to get into it. And I was like, well, if you have any questions, you know, when you come to get your seedlings, be sure to ask. And so as we were talking, I realized like as I was talking to her, I realized like I was going like way over her head. You know, because I was trying, like, I had a, a few minutes. And, you know, if you buy a seedling or something from me, I want you to be successful. So I'm going to do the best I can, minus giving you all the stuff. But I'll give you the knowledge that I have and point you to the right directions. Um, but the amount of questions that she had, you could tell that this was going to be a tough year. You know what I mean? And she wanted to grow a variety of things, which is really hard place to start because there's so much to learn about each individual plant and the times that they grow and when they grow, when they can be harvested and all that stuff. And I think that's the biggest thing for me. My biggest challenge is getting things to a point where I can get them timed right. You know, like I had a whole timeline set up for this um this spring and i mean here we are you know each day the temperature swing has been 40 degrees you know what i mean so that's that's changed my timeline but see my experience has kicked in and i know that it's okay to do that forward looking into the forecast using the tools available i know that i can i am able to make this happen in a different way than i had initially planned and how the book tells me to do it And so that's been a big benefit, too, is being able to be flexible with the weather and stuff like that, you know. And I'm here to tell you, I mean, I'm I just fertilized my lettuce seedlings today. And at the same time, I looked at the weather and I was like, you know, I really need to harden them off. And so I was considering, like, just go ahead and just leave them outside, let them harden off. But I mean, it makes me nervous as a long tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs, man. Like, I can't do that because. I'm going to be pushing new growth at the same time hardening off. I'm begging for die off, just begging mm-hmm. to kill those plants. So I need to wait a couple mm-hmm. days and I'll risk it after that. But you want to stay on top of it. But those are things that kind of have made it easier for me in my garden, the process. <coughs> Excuse me. So okay I'm there? good. My mouth got dry. Oh, yeah. yeah, That happens. So what... I don't know if it was, it just became an elephant in the room. When we were talking about gardening being harder, clearly the purpose of you gardening, if we go back to those earlier years, I was just gardening to, you know, have some vegetables, a few here and there. Um, As you want to produce more and as you want to manage that production differently, that absolutely adds to the complexity. Ding! <laughs> the complexity of of gardening. And so for me, gardening has become more complex. And in turn, naturally, you know, it's a bit harder than it was back yeah. then. 
I feel like I, I feel like that's a close out, man. I feel like I, I just summed it all up for me. Thank you again for this session. Yeah. Of You're welcome. I'll therapy. send you my bill in the mail. <laughs> yeah. It, um, can you send it to me? Uh, I can, I pay you in seeds or yeah. Yeah, future vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like some boxcar willy seeds. <laughs> in the next three days mm. um yeah. no because <laughs> let me add you to the list of people i owe yeah. seeds to shout out to the purple thumb, purple thumb gardener i got you girl it may be for 2024 but i got you we're on a three-year <laughs> process we know how this works <laughs> put your order in now because in three years you'll get them <laughs> if you happen to fly to chicago i def- i'll meet you at the airport you have a better chance of that than you know <laughs> that's the you young man yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Let's focus on eating food when we give mm. the recipe of the day. All right, everybody, that was an abrupt stop, but straight up honesty, I forgot what I was going to say and the time was right. So I'm going to give you a spring vegetable pot pie. Now, to be honest, the recipe calls it vegan, and I hate more than anything when somebody makes something vegan and they put the word vegan in front of it. Mm-hmm. So, whatever. Add chicken to it, just out of spite. Okay? Um, and this recipe, we'll post it on the patron page if you guys would like to see it. It includes your vegetables, which calls for fennel bulb leeks or onions garlic potatoes carrots asparagus and peas so it is full of your spring vegetables um the herbs are tarragon lemon thyme and Mm. chives and then you're going to need some kind of milk it clearly says in the recipe almond milk or cashew milk but you know what throw some cow's milk in there just to despite them calling it vegan um just kidding about that (laughs) i use whatever you'd like um lemon juice some bouillon <clears throat> whole grain mustard. I don't know what that is, but uh, salt and pepper, flour, and then butter or olive oil. And so you're going to chop up all your veggies, make them, you know, you generally want to make them about the same size so they cook better. Boil them down for about um, blanch to the potatoes and carrots and salted water for 10 minutes until fork tender. And then save a half a cup of the water as you drain it. Uh, dissolve the bouillon in, in the saved potato water at the same time. And then you're going to saute your leeks or onions. Or you know what? Just do both. Live on the edge. With garlic, fennel, and asparagus. And then in a pan that's about 10 inches deep, um, you are going to blanch. No, hold on. This, this recipe is weird because you have to go scroll down to see each individual picture. Uh, Use an oven-proof 10-inch pan or after cooking on the stove, transfer to a completed filling to a baking dish. There you go. Um, Add all the veggies and the saute mix and then put the butter in it in the center. So you're going to push it to the side, put the butter in, add flour as best as you can, Um, add the bouillon and broth milk and stirring while whisking so that you can get it nice and thick. Add the mustard 
and let the sauce come to a gentle boil. Turn off the heat. Stew, add the peas, lemon juice, lemon thyme, tarragon, and chives. And then let the filling cool while you prepare the crust. Use whatever crust you want. I'm not going to get into how to make a crust. Um, and then you put it in the oven for 15 to 20 minutes at... Oh, cool. It doesn't give you a, a temperature. So pick your temperature. <laughs> Wow, this recipe, this place sucks. I may have over skimmed it. It definitely, I do not see a temperature, but whatever. If it, I w- if it was me, I would do 425 because my oven only has two temperatures, 425 and 450. What's the consistency we're going for once, uh, once it's supposed to be done? Well, you're just baking the top of the crust at the top. So, um, and it actually tells you how to make a puff pastry, but. Me yeah, that. I'm not going to yeah. get into all that. We'll put it on Patreon. Mm-hmm. You guys can go look at it, whatever. Um, but that way, you can use all of your spring vegetables. Now, that being said, I would never grow fennel because in my research, it apparently hates every single plant known to man and is very combative to it. <laughs> don't know if that's true or not, but I don't really care for the taste that much, but it does sound good in little small amounts in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. I have an idea about something we should be talking about as a bonus slash Patreon episode. Um, So let's talk about that once we wrap up here. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Yes, ma'am. At this point, there's so many things in my head that I just got to start saying them when I they come into my. Well, the uh, the season is kicking up at this Mm -hmm. point, too. Mm -hmm. So um, Mm -hmm. people are really starting to think about their gardens, which is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Super glad to hear that. So and just a quick note, um, I'm a huge fan of pot pies, the creaminess. It's like it's one of my favorite things. And now I I think I have a frozen one, which is going to be any fresh pot pie is going to be better than a frozen one. But hey, this is what I got. Um, And the idea of like lumping in a bunch of vegetables that I've grown potentially like that's really, really cool. Um, So, you know, some recipes you got to tweak a bit. Maybe this is one of them. Yeah, and I'll actually set this recipe to public on um, Patreon so everybody can go look at it because um, I don't know what the temperature was so everybody can go look at it for themselves. (laughs) (laughs) People can comment, right? I can't wait for people to comment saying, look, I turned it to 500. I slow broiled it. No, 200 is the way to go. I love my mom. (laughs) I I love you, mom. But she will cook it at like 275 for like 15 hours. She's, I mean, you know, I definitely do it wrong. I am not a baker. I will tell you that. My wife is the baker, and I, I tried to make her a cake one time, and it was a hockey puck. We ate it. Yeah. So. Well, are we settling on gardening ain't easy? Gardening is hard? Where you know we what? That's a, that's a good question. Is it or is it not easy? I don't know. I think we need people to tell us. I don't. I don't know that we we should be coming up with that answer. Well, I mean, in, in your opinion, though, I, I think that's not fair. I think we should definitely come up with something. No, if you, if you just follow my lead a little while longer instead of <laughs> joining me in there, you you let me say, why don't you join us over on the backyard gardens community on Facebook, and we're gonna pose this question right around the time this episode airs. Well, um, because I can't remember the name of it, that's why. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, 
it's our Facebook page. It's growing. And thank you, everybody, for being a part of it. What's the name of it again? Damn it. I was I was fronting right then. Like, <laughs> <laughs> as if I knew it is the Backyard Gardens community. Backyard community. You know, garden. I need to take it's I need to take my faces. ass to the I need to take my ass to the store and get a, a pack of post-it notes and put it right here on my screen so I can see it. Yeah, right. 50 cents would charge would stop all of this. Gardens. Backyard Gardens Community Garden. That's a mouthful. It is. And we st- should talk about um What's his name? What's the guy's name? Oh, I don't know. You're making Leonard's annual review. Oh. Clearly, this is something that if he can't prep us in this way. I well, mean, you know, what's sad is you didn't even remember point. his name. That's how low well, yeah, you I are mean, on this totem pole, Leonard. When's the last time that he actually sent you something of value about the when's show? When's the last time he did anything of value? Yeah. All right. I mean, there is something about when you do something for free. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> maybe we should instead of his performance talk about maybe you know uh, a pay for him. Can I? Can we pay him in seeds? <laughs> yeah, you'll get your pay in three years. All right, everybody, come check us out at all our usual spots: Patreon, YouTube channels for both Batavia and I, um, Facebook on the community group that you now know the name of, um, Amazon list down below to get all of your stuff. Everything's been tried and tested, and until the meantime. Remember, just remember one thing. Gardening ain't easy, and we have learned to grow and grew for change. See ya. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up. You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya. If you guys want some Backyard Gardens gear, go to the link below and check out our t-shirts, mugs, pint glasses, and other gear. All purchases go towards helping to support the show, so thank you so much in advance, and we hope you enjoy. We want everybody to have a garden, and we're going to give you a chance to win free seeds every month. Head over to BackyardGardensTV.com and enter your email address to be entered in all of our giveaways. Good luck! We want you to be a part of our gardening community. DM us a picture of your garden at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share it with our listeners.